I don't think the industry as a whole appreciates the difficulty in that and the complexity in it and that it's not just just eating a calorie deficit and you'll be fine. Oh, what, you can't? Like, what's your problem? Are you weak? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so much <laughs> more to it than just telling someone, oh, we'll just stop eating shit and start eating healthy fruit and vegetables. Hello, everyone, and welcome. So today, I've got the most fantastic guest that I want to share with you. Someone who has always shared so much kindness in my life, and I've taken so much influence from with everything. Hello, Zoe Knight from Muscle Nerds. So nice. (laughs) I can't top that. All right, podcast done. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know those things that you get on Instagram and stuff that tell you like about posts and stuff. It's been about five years since I had my training with you. And during that time, you guys were quite hot on uh, trying to get me to meditate and trying to open that up. And that was when I decided that I was going to get engaged and marry my wife. But um, no. I had some it's, of You were most... one of our first clients, I think. You're in the very early stages of Muscle Nerds. I mean, I knew of Luke previous, but I found a magazine. And it was during a time I was having a really tough time because I'd lost my weight. I'd, I'd lost 10 stone or whatever it was. And then I'd still got this skin left and I, ha- and I lived with that for three or four years. And I got to the point where I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this abdominoplasty. Little did I know what that was going to entail after, but I, I, I was going to do that. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to this guy because he feeds my spirit animal. He's like, just as like nerdy and, and everything else about me. And also there was the prevalence of the, the company that he'd worked with previously. But during that process, I just, it was just like, wow, you guys are just the yin and yang to one another. They're just amazing. You are some of my absolute favorite people, and it has to be said. And so, firstly, I want to open up this conversation with the biggest and warmest thank you, because you guys are fucking awesome. Thank like, you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> that is really kind of you to say. We are absolutely the opposites of each other. Um, but what's really nice is our fundamental values are the same. Uh, and I think that's how we work. And it's funny. So we started Muscle Nerds very early on in our relationship together out of necessity. So I had quit my jobs. I'd sold my car. I'd flown over to America. When I was there on my 90-day visitor visa, um, he finished up at the company he was working with. So we both found ourselves jobless and we're like, let's announce, we'll just announce Muscle Nudes. And Muscle Nudes is a nickname that he had been called from um, some of his ex-colleagues. So that was already, it was just a no-brainer there. That's what we were going to call the company. So we didn't have to sit there and brainstorm. And so we kind of just said, all right, well, we're starting an like online training. We were then kind of inundated with people who wanted to work specifically with Luke that hadn't wanted to work for the company that he previously worked for. And we were just really reactive to what people were wanting. Whatever came to us, we figured out how to do it. Everything was done manually. But for the first maybe, oh man, I would probably say two or three years, there was just huge frustration on my part because we were so opposite. 
we needed that uh, complete oppositeness. Like yeah. my strengths are his weaknesses and his strengths are my weaknesses. And it really evens out as long as we can or I can just let him be him and do what he's good at. And I just plug all the holes. Like he's the big picture person. He's the idea person. I'm the small details person. So he'll have this big idea and be like, oh my God, let's do this. And we'll announce it. And I'm going to announce that we're doing this. And I was like, that's about six months with preparation. You can't just announce that. we Because he just doesn't see all the little things. Um, and so it works. It's really worked out in our favor. He's the tough love. He can be very blunt. I'm more of like a cheerleader than a coach. That's why I don't take clients because I'm far too soft. He's he's able to have that firmness and that authority. Whereas I'm just like, oh, you don't want to do burpees? That's okay. You don't have to. I'll do the burpees for you. Like I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I can't. And so, yeah, we are absolutely yin and yang and we are absolutely opposite. And it took me a really long time to be okay with that in that work environment um, and realize that it really is a benefit and it's probably why we're able to do what we can do. I think well, that's what any, any relationship or any whole needs. I mean, me and my wife, we are not the same, but I love that. I love yeah. that she brings me back to earth. One time I just like had lost it. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Do I need to be business partner Zoe or do I need to be like wife Zoe? Yeah. And wife Zoe always wins because if she doesn't and I'm business part like business partner Zoe has the potential to ruin the wife relationship. Whereas I'm more okay with if being the wife Zoe ruins the business, like that's better option for me. I couldn't have a business without him and he couldn't have a business without me. And I think that was the point where I had that realization that was like, we both are building this in equal parts. So I really struggled to feel like I had any serious contribution, but now pff, we would not be where we are. There's so much more to just your craft than running a business or doing it that's the good thing is we've just been able to let, let luke do what he's good at and mm. that is the researching the learning and the teaching and the coaching and then he doesn't have to worry about anything else and that anything else is huge <laughs> and it's huge so you yeah you're right you learn your craft but then how do you turn that craft into a functioning business and there's the whole finance aspect admin aspect there's the customer service aspect there's the systems there's the you know there's so much typically if you're good at this you're not you're not going to be good at this and if you're good at this you don't have this <laughs> so we've definitely yin and yang and we're a really beneficial like combination I suppose and I just feel like it's all fallen into places how it's supposed to be um I guess in the early days I didn't realize how much work went into the back end of everything so now that I know and now that I contribute and and kind of oversee a lot of stuff I feel a lot more like it's us more so him my dream and my plan is for muscle nerds to get to the point where it's kind of run like the employees are running it and there's limited needed input from Luke or myself because I really want to muscle nerds to fund a dog rescue farm. How I want it set up is I would like to buy some land like tiny homes or villas or just, you know, scatter the land with some rooms and then we have our house. We have a gym because we pretty much got a, we've got a really nice gym set up in our garage at home. We've got all Atlantis equipment at home. <laughs> so we've pretty much got the gym set up, but I want to have like a gym, our house, and then the land is scattered. And I would like people to be able to, it's like a retreat, to come and stay with us for a week. 
Um, and this is within the fitness industry. So they can come and stay with us for a week and they can learn from Luke, train with Luke. They can eat with us. We have meals together. But then I also want us to have a dog rescue farm and people can then choose to come and stay for a week as a holiday, stay in one of the villas and they play with the dogs. They help feed the dogs. Like, And so that's what helped funds being able to rescue dogs and feed the dogs and give all the dogs the vet stuff. So that's my ultimate, that's my, my 10 to 15 year plan is to have like a retreat and there's the muscle nerds retreat, but there's also, we can just save dogs. <laughs> uh, you know, I love, I love, I love businesses that have great ethics and I love mm. businesses that work on things like sustainability and things like that. Wellness gives back mm. when you're well and you can be well, then you give back. And that's what animals do inherently mm. to us. You know, dogs and humans would hunt together. Do yeah. you know what I mean? We'd, 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 get, we'd share that time together. I remember uh, reading, there's a, there's, a, there's a little quip or a story about, you know, this guy that's walking down the beach and he's throwing starfish back into the ocean. And someone says to him, you know, like, why are you doing this? You know, there's so many of these on the beach. You're never going to help them all. And he throws one into the ocean and says, but I help that one. Yeah, you know. I think that's the thing. I think people don't realize that big things happen if we all just do small things. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's the same with the habits, right? It's accumulation of all these small things. A, a really good segue into talking about why people don't get into fitness in the first instance, they just don't even take that first step, is because they look at the extreme or they look at, yeah. You know, they're like, oh, I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. I'm going to have to start eating this. I'm going to have to start exercising. I hate exercising. There's no way I'm going to be able to do that for the rest of my life. I, you know, and so it's just like I'm not even going to bother starting. Or they'll look at, you know, especially social media is the worst potentially. I mean, it's got the potential to be the worst. It's also got the potential to be the best. But, you know, you just look at this with the fitness influences and you just look at them and you're like, I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm not even going to bother starting. I don't want to have to live like that. I'm not even going to bother starting. Whereas if they just realize that, man, just... Do small things like swap out one thing with the other and you'll meet breakfast. Like have maybe a salad with your eggs instead of toast every morning. That's going to start, that's going to have an impact. All that shit they say, like just take the stairs. Do that. Like just small things like that. And it's the same thing. Like just helping one, doing one thing or helping one person can just, it adds up. That's exactly what people kind of need. When I turn around to people and I, and I say, like, dude, okay, like, seriously, let's just swap out your latte for a flat white. Mm -hmm. Let's just see where that gets you in six weeks, okay. right? And then whilst at the same time, let's work on some other little things to get you going, mm -hmm. yeah? Don't sit there and go, well, that's not enough, you know? And then there's that issue of, like, is there enough challenge with the support? But it is those little things that you just embed every, every single day that in three months, it's like going... Oh, yeah, actually, you know, yeah. Because a lot of people just jump into something, like you were saying, and their perfectionism takes over and goes, you know, actually, I'm not just going to start that because that, that is so far off. I yeah. just can't even comprehend Imagine it. doing it or being there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's just, I mean, the, the industry is full of extremism, isn't it? And that's what sells. So mm. it's, a battle, it's a battle you've got to fight. It's a matter of that, that word of diet and dieting. Is that diet yeah. is the kind of thing that you're doing every single day? It's just, it's just, it's yeah. just your diet. Regardless yeah. of what it is, that's your diet. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's but, people's perception of food. Words, sorry, as well. Yeah, and dieting is like, mm. it's like being a prisoner. 
I'm their president for like two weeks. Like, well, actually, no, let's look at what you could be doing in a year's time, in five years' time, in 10 years' time, and the things you're happy to keep doing. You know, what are the habits yeah. and the behaviors that someone that is the kind of person that you'd like to be, what would they do every single day? What it's the thing that like change is so hard for people. It's mm. so hard. And it's, I'm, it's funny, one of the uh, subjects that I'm, so when COVID hit, I was studying naturopathy and I had done, I was doing it part-time. I'm just chipping away at it because I really enjoy studying. I really, really like it. One of the subjects that I'm doing now that I started at the start of November is sociology and how society affects food choices and your food preferences and how you've been raised and that covers things like your religion and it's a really like it's kind of the opposite thinking of like psychology so if you go to a psychologist it's addressing you as a person and your own thoughts and your own habits and how you can change yourself whereas sociology has that influence like okay this isn't a problem from you this is a societal problem so for example if someone um, is made redundant uh, or is unemployed you go to psychologists and it's you okay so what can you do to get a job what can you do to make yourself more employable whereas if you look at it from a sociolo sociological aspect it's why is society as a society out of, t out of 10 million people 1 million are unemployed that's a society issue we need to address it at a societal level and so it has that thinking of our decisions and our thoughts are not our own they're influenced from everything in our environment it's a super uncomfortable thought to think that you're not in control of all your preferences and all and all your habits but it's so true and that's the same as when you address people with their nutrition the way they eat like everyone's got an emotional attachment to the way they eat everyone's got a belief to the way they eat mm. everyone's got things so deeply rooted and embedded in them that they don't even realize like it's not a conscious thought so for people to change that i don't think the industry as a whole appreciates the difficulty in that and the complexity in it and that it's not just just eating a calorie deficit and you'll be fine oh what you can't like what's your problem are you weak do you know what i mean like there's so much <laughs> more to it than just telling someone oh we'll just stop eating shit and start eating healthy fruit and vegetables so education, you know, everyone's like, you know, you've got to educate your clients. You've got to educate people as to the why. If they know the why, they're more inclined. And yes, to a degree. But we live in a time where we have never known so much that we than we do now, but we are more unhealthy and bigger than ever. So clearly knowledge isn't the answer. Like, yes, like it's a necessity. Like you, it is part of it, but it's not the answer in its entirety. Like there's so much more aspects you need to consider than just telling someone to do something and why like i don't know i just it's i think exercise i think the industry needs to move far more towards like psychological aspects and like what drives a person and i just think it can be so damaging to people if we're not careful and it's oversimplified and it's overcomplicated. so i don't know what the answer is like i'm not saying i have the answer but there's just so much more to it then but there's just so much more to it <laughs> well and i'll tell you what the the way in which you do embed and, and then change all these habits that we were talking about originally is the matter of if you're just around it more often then you'd understand yeah. how that stuff is and yeah. the social aspect is when i like so when i lost my weight lifestyle had to change you know my 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 background is in music and music performance and we all know what musicians and the are music like. lifestyle <laughs> but 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 you're not a rock star so like <laughs> so it's not cool you just live the life but it's not cool you still turn up, you still turn <laughs> up to, yeah. exactly you just still to, there's, there's no chicks 
No, no, no. But like you, t- you still turn up to your job at nine o'clock in the morning and, and have to sit there for eight hours and carry on with it. Um, and I needed to shake that because for me and my personal body, like I needed to get rid of that. Yeah. Um, but as well is that you learn that that social aspect was actually feeding so much more that it was like, but sometimes I just felt like I was, I needed to be needed. Yeah. And I needed to belong. My, my tribe was sort of feeding me in, 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 in this way, but it wasn't feeding me, if that made sense. So I, when, yeah. I got, when I got my own identity and I stood for what I wanted to stand for, I lost myself. I'm not going to yeah. lie. When you, when you, I literally lost a person in tissue. And I, I would see myself yeah. in a mirror and I wouldn't even recognize myself. Nice. Yeah. And so I needed to find myself again in, in a brand new tribe. But talking about being in different places of the world, I mean, you, you were here in the UK for a little while. You were based here in London for a while, weren't you? Yeah. So the way when Luke and I met, I was living in Australia, a New Zealander living in Australia. So I'm not even a citizen of this country. And then he was traveling the world uh, for his previous company teaching. And so he was based out of Rhode Island in America. We met here. I actually went to one of his courses. Didn't like him at all. I thought he was so arrogant. I thought he was rude. And I was like, he's just as typical rude American like I know that stereotyping but he just really fit that stereotype at the time but he you know he's got his reasons as to why he was rude in that class he he claims I think it in 2016 I think we spent three months in London I fell in love with it I was like oh my god this is beautiful and amazing I love the history but I think probably about seven weeks in I was like I'm ready to leave <laughs> because we I remember we did a course there one weekend it was an animal flow course on the end of the second day I was just exhausted and I was like you know what I just wish I could get in my car and drive 15 minutes home like two tube rides or a train or whatever and I was just like everything did, was just an effort and I was like I would love to just be able to get in my car and drive home but London was nice but I don't know if I could live there <laughs> are there any foods or anything that remind you of the UK or anything that's no. just like, uh, so that, that reminds me of my time there, you know. Luke loves the Indian food. I remember we shopped a lot at Tesco. And I, weird, look, okay, this is really strange. I would always get the little pre thing of mashed potato, like the pre, like you just buy the mashed potato and shrimps. And I would have prawns and mashed potato. Pizza Express? Pizza Luke, Express. Pizza Express. Luke would go there and he does the one one he always orders. And because it comes with its own roller to cut, like it doesn't come pre-cut, he would roll his into a burrito and then just eat it. <laughs> like that's how he would eat his pizza. <laughs> so, I've, so I've got to try mashed potato, the mashed potato and prawns. from. Oh, no, it's so strange. Like it's the weirdest combination. I don't know why I, I just must have had... And I barely eat mashed potato. Like I never, I never make it myself. The only time I'll ever have it if it's like on your meal at a restaurant. So I don't know why. Maybe I just probably needed the iodine. I was probably craving sh- shrimp and then felt like mashed. I don't know why. I did it. It's the strangest combination. Like I probably wouldn't do it now. But I did eat that a lot in London. For you guys, I imagine it's more Thai. With a lot yeah. of Thai. Yeah. I imagine yeah. that where you are in the world. Is there anything then that reminds you of home? It's more the junk food, like the confectionery, like the biscuits and the cookies or whatever you guys call them. I'm pretty sure you call them biscuits. Do um, your team biscuits? Biscuits. Um, my dad is a hunter. Um, he hunts. He hunted and he still hunts almost every weekend. And we lived off fresh venison growing up. It's literally all we had. So we would have 
venison steak, venison sausages, venison savoys, venison mince, venison roast. Like every, like he just would go out and kill the deer everywhere. He'd, and that's all we ate. And occasionally we'd have a Sunday chicken, the roast chicken. Um, but every night it was venison, mashed potato. And the only thing that would change would be our overboiled vegetable, whether it was beans, silver beet, it was Anyway, I hated it at the time. I hated it every night. What do we do for dinner? Venison. And then we'd have like venison. If we had a roast on a Sunday, which was a treat, it would be the venison heated up in the gravy from the night before. Like, <laughs> so venison, and it's funny because, yeah, like I said at the time, I hated it. Now I would, you cannot get venison anywhere in Australia and I would kill. Like you go home and there's just a deep freezer full of venison. And now I would, I would love venison. So venison reminds me of home. And then it's just like, the, it's a really nice ice cream bar back home that I love. <laughs> but we're starting to be able to get more New Zealand food over here in Australia because so many Kiwis move. So a lot of the um, Kiwi snack foods and stuff you can buy here now. Um, there's not a lot that's kind of exclusively you can only get New Zealand. But I did find, like I remember when Luke and I first started dating before I ever took him back to New Zealand for the first time and we were arguing over kind of who had the best cuisine. And oh, he was like, you sorry, I'm on Luke's side. I'm on Luke's side. You know that's yeah. But the sorry. difference, so yes, in America, you can literally get anything you want and everything is so tasty. The difference, though, is when you come to New Zealand, the food is undeniably different and better. And it's the same even in between New Zealand and Australia. Like the produce is so fresh and the meat is so like Luke doesn't eat lamb. He's never liked lamb, but he eats lamb in New Zealand. So much nicer. It just must be American. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you'd they probably have New Zealand lamb in America anyway. So I just think there's there's definitely the food in New Zealand is fresh and taste really just really high quality. Mm. Um and then the food in America is just American. <laughs> But hang on a second. There is a difference between American food and Texan food. Oh, don't. Yeah. And I'm not allowed to call Luke an American. I get in trouble. He's Texan. So when we traveled for the two years nonstop, that's really difficult to stay healthy because whenever you're, whenever you're somewhere, you just think, oh, but it's only here that I can get really good eggs. So like in America, it's in Texas, it's a good barbecue and good Tex-Mex. So it's like, well, I'm going to eat it while I'm here because I can't get it anywhere else in the world. What's Luke's one in London is Pizza Express. He's like, I can't get Pizza Express. He loves Pizza Express. Um, and then there was a restaurant that he took me to. It's by Wembley Stadium. And it's just like, you know, it does bone marrow and all that sort of stuff. And he, we, he goes there every time. And yeah, in New Zealand, it's, oh God, it's just a junk in New Zealand. I think, um, I think just where you are in the world though, as, as well, you know, like I was saying about like Thai and, and the, those Japanese Chinese yeah. sort of influences that you have yeah. in that area of the world is that the premise is based on eating from the land. Yeah. It's not a matter of let's celebrate how many McDonald's we can have. I can go to my local, um, you know, like town village. And, and one night me and my wife drove through and I think that there was 19 in a one in, in under a one mile stretch, 19 takeaways or, or mm -hmm. fish and chip shops. When you think of British cuisine, you think of like fish and chips and things like that. It's like not everyone lives out of what we would call like the chippy, <laughs> as, as it were, we call it the chippy. Uh, my wife's uh, grandmother calls it the fishy, just because it's something that's different. Oh. Or whatever. We have a lot of fish, we have a lot of fish and chip shops. And I'm also what I've noticed, what I noticed the difference between here and America, America's got a lot of chain takeaway stores. So they've got McDonald's, Burger King's, 
like it's just the chains, right? And it's the same. Whereas here, there's a lot of um, independently owned takeaway places. So you've got like a one-off burger shop that does great burgers and you've got a one-off Thai place and Indian place and, you know, fish and chip shop. So it's not, we don't have as many chain, if that makes sense. So when's the Institute for Physical Culture uh, Delhi going to come out then? So you can pop by the gym and, and pick up a, a box that's full of like the most amazing. Um, <laughs> well, what's really cool is right next door in the same building that the gym's in, there's a cafe. We'll get him to make protein shakes and stuff but the problem is it's really interesting having gone from with muscle nerds having gone from our main clientele and students predominantly being other coaches to the gym being completely general population it's but i think it's been a real eye-opener for luke like i know he's really like he's trained for god my god he's been training for over two decades now um and i think you we just get so lost in talking to people that already have a certain base knowledge yeah. um and then going into a, a gym environment where you know it's it, there's just zero knowledge one of the things that we've started doing is we have a lot of people come to us and they say look the only way i lost weight in the past was when i completely cut out my carbohydrates so that's what i'm doing now i'm going keto it's like you don't have to do that like really start at the very basic fundamental of of how things work is difficult because if, for example, we had a client, um, she was in my class the other day and she's like, oh, I started keto last week and I've already lost two and a half kilos. And I was like, oh, like, that's awesome. Well done. Congratulations. And she's like, yeah, and I stuffed up on the weekend because, you know, I went and got, went out for breakfast and I got a, a well, I can't remember what it was called because it ended up being made out of potatoes. So it threw me out of ketosis. So I wanted to say to her like that initial weight loss is just your water and carbs like but it's i don't want to deter her and i don't want to be like you don't you don't have to cut out carbohydrates i said i didn't even go there with her because for me to explain what's going on you have to preface it with so much information for them to understand so i was like i'm not even i'm just going to say that's awesome but just make sure you don't you know go too crazy one thing that we've started to do like you mentioned earlier so when you the word the difference between the word diet and dieting and you say dieting and it's just like a hellhole it's restriction it's removal it's shit we don't talk about anything about like removing or restriction. It's just like add protein, add vegetables mm -hmm. and it's addition. So it's more of a nutrition approach. Like let's fuel yourself. Let's give yourself what it needs as opposed to let's just remove everything that you love eating. It's just like this amount of protein at every meal and half your plate's vegetables. Like, and that typically acts as a food displacement anyway. Yeah. Um, but it's just like getting into that mindset of them thinking of without thinking of just like, taking away it's like let's just add some stuff someone said to me the other day that was like why should i put protein powder in my in my smoothie yeah and i said that, i was like well okay well if you're going to put a protein powder in then you're probably going to remove something yeah. else i'm probably going to not have like milk or, or something I, I don't, don't, I don't need as much of this yeah yeah and so that's what you're saying there about the displacement of it yeah exactly and you know when you eat a lot of non-starch veggies and you do start to increase your protein you're fuller for longer so you don't snack as often and mm. if you tell them to you know you can basically eat whatever you want but just make sure you eat protein in your veggies first and then they just don't eat as much here's you, one that i, really I get a lot that's really interesting and i must share this with you it's people that won't eat bananas they won't eat banana. here's let me give them a bit more context i won't eat a banana because it's a carbohydrate but it's friday where's my wine or the gin, 
And then you sit there and go, well, that banana is like more healthy and gives you and feeds your, your, you know, your nutrient needs in your body. And yet you're quite happy to sit and drink. There's so little intuitive knowledge on how our body works. We're not taught it at school. Like, you know, you're kind of taught about your organs and, and you're taught from a very mechanical, mechanistic point of view. But it's just like what you eat, how that fuels you like what you take from that what it actually does so i think people just think oh look they associate so i mean eating and hunger is a biological need but i think it, it's fueled by psychology now and we still our bodies still operate in a environment of scarcity but we live in a in abundance and so because of that i think that there's no thought given there's just nothing given not not there's no thought there's no feeling there's no intuition given to what i eat and what it actually does it's just like i'm hungry i'm going to eat we eat so we can do cell regeneration we eat so we can survive we eat so we can have energy and i just wish that we could learn this from an earlier age so we could make better decisions as opposed to being influenced just by marketing yeah, sadly, we don't all get given the book when, we, when you're born. It's like, yeah, this, is, this is what you do. You have to learn that exactly through what you were saying earlier about like social aspects and mm -hmm. what does everyone else do. I, I'm into this thing called metabolic typing, you know. I, I think yeah. it is a really interesting insight into how people should and typically will eat. And I do find that a lot of the time it, is, it, it works. The traits work. But then, for example, you know, I, I come up as a mixed type all the time, which is like, uh, you can eat anything, mate, yeah, which I know all about that. Um, but I've, there's definitely been times when I've been a protein type. And then actually you sit and think about the situation you're in in your life and all those other things. And you say, actually, yeah, I can see that now. When, once you learn things, you know, you can't unlearn them, can you? In times where it's like, where I'm a carb type, you know, and yeah. I'm definitely in that world of like, I need a kilo of sweet potatoes at every yeah. meal today. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, I was saying this to one of my other podcast guests. Um, I can literally be like craving like sage or cranberries yeah. or something. You know, I, I, unbeknown to myself, I was craving like sweet potato, cranberry and sage or something like that. And then about a week later, I was poorly. And it's because I was yeah. trying to fight something off, you know, something's yeah. coming in. It's really interesting. You need to be so in tune with your body. You know, you need to listen to what your body is trying to tell you. But to do that, you have to know, A, what shit means. B, you have to be somewhat in tune with how you're feeling and what you're craving. And the problem is like what you do and what you get out of it often seems so far removed from each other. So for example, if, if someone's eating something and their skin is turning to shit because of it, it's all their mood. And then they're not going to associate that with what they eat. They don't know the links. For example, if you wake up one morning and you're craving avocado, eat avocado. And then if you wake up the next morning and that's the last thing you feel like, like that's a time. Like that's, that's something your body telling you something. If you're craving something, it's typically your body telling you something. Um, Cause you know, you go, I go through phases. There was a phase and it was probably when I was in London. Um, no, it's been, I've done it in Australia as well. Where all I want to, all I want is prawns or seafood. Yeah. There's a reason. And then there's time now, like right where I'm at right now, it's like the last thing I feel like doing is eating prawns. But not only that, but I think that um, people's lives are so pushed against that yeah. so that, to, to switch it off, you know, because you need to be sat at your desk at 9am in the morning and then you can't leave and have anything to eat until it's 12pm, then, then it's okay, then you can have your lunch, but then you can't eat again until like 6 o'clock at night when you get home. 
And, and it's straight away, it's like that works completely against your natural metabolism, the natural way that you need to feed, the natural way that your brain works against the food that you put into your mouth. Because Karen bought in, you know, a bag, a bag of donuts. Oh, well, we're all eating donuts this afternoon. Yeah, because it's, uh, it's her birthday today or whatever. We celebrate with food. We're rewarded with food. Yeah. Um, it's, not, it's no longer just something that's done to keep us alive. Well, there is the heritage of, you know, community and feasting, yeah. which I find is really interesting if you look at different religions and different religions celebrate fasting mm. and being without. And I think that says a lot about modern culture, especially mm. in our worlds where we're not desperate in need for mm. food, but when we do celebrate that we celebrate with food. Um, but that's obviously linking the, that, that harmony between you know the way in which your gut feeds your emotional feeling in yeah. social situations as well biopsychosocialism or whatever isn't it that's the really yes i know like a lot of natural health practitioners and stuff like that focus on that biosocial psycho so it's like you can't just address one aspect of someone's life you have to look into like their biological needs their social aspects their psychology i think it's a fantastic model i wish more like modern medicine doctors kind of adopted it but i had a really bad problem with my digestion and i, and I, and I went to see uh, gastrologists and they put the you know they put the camera down to test for me for my for my celiacs and and, and all these other things because they found some ulcers and, and stuff in, in, in my stomach. And it came back that I was like negative for for celiacs. And you know what my gastrologist turned around to me. This is the doctor for your stomach health. She said, "Well, you can celebrate. Go and eat a sandwich. Like I eat biscuits and bread, and then you know I'm poorly. You know, without being too graphic." No, I'm and the then, same. And then, yeah. and, then, and then you're telling me, you're actively yeah. telling me as a clinician to go away and do something like that, you know. I just wish the two modalities would merge. Like I w wish that they wouldn't shun each other so much. Natural side of stuff like the nutritionists, the naturopaths, all that sort of stuff, I wish that they were used more for the preventative side of things. I wish there was more value placed on prevention in the modern medicine. Because, for example, my, one of my best friends, um, she had some issues going on. And we ended up going with her to the, I took her to the hospital one night and she had unbelievably low, I think it was hemoglobin, but it was one point off them being able to do a blood transfusion. <laughs> yeah. so it was like, okay, so you send her away and just wait until she gets bad enough. And that's the premise. It's like, it, I think there's a, there's like a line and it's you're, you're ill or you're not. For example, with your celiacs, it's okay. So you don't have, you do have celiacs or you don't. If you don't, go and eat a sandwich. You know, there's no middle ground of, okay, but gluten still irritates me. It still has an effect. I've obviously got something going on. It's, well, you do or you don't. You don't, so you're good. Yeah. You know, there's no, okay, well, what? how can we do treat this so you can eat it and not be a problem or, like, what, what, what's going on that's causing that? It's just, you, well, you don't. Fine. Go away now. <laughs> go have a sandwich. <laughs> um, the, what do you need to thrive, not survive? Yeah. Now look, so we've been talking for a long, for a long time. Yeah, I know it's fine. getting late because I can see that my son's come up. I need to turn the light yeah. on. <laughs> my son's come up and yours has gone down. 
But where can we find out more about business of muscle nerds and, and everything else that you're yeah. doing? I can't tell you how many podcasts I tuned out. That sounds really arrogant that like I get asked all the time, but I normally say no to podcasts because I'm like, I'm the back-end person, Luke's the talker. And a lot of the time I feel like it's only in the last recent years that I've felt like I've actually had something to say of my own. Like, otherwise I've always said no because I'm like, well, I'm just going to regurgitate stuff I've learned off Luke or that Luke's taught me or that he talks about. So with Muscle Nerds, we have our Muscle Nerds website, which is www.musclenerds.net. And that just kind of gives an overview of the services we offer really. Our Instagram, which is muscle nerds underscore health. And then we have our Facebook, which is just muscle nerds. And we're pretty lucky in the sense that we've grown predominantly from word of mouth. Um, it's kind of just people who have liked us and told other people about us. Um, so muscle nerds is predominantly targeted for, uh, we have a, our main demographic is other personal trainers, coaches, and health professionals. So we typically have a focus on teaching the why we're really lucky and, and how we teach it's not a it's not a step by step process. So it's not here's a, a protocol or here's step A, step B, step C. Now go and do that with your clients. Yeah. Um, it's more of a let's teach you the underlying physiology and the underlying how and why of how things work. Figure out the the how for yourself. You can you you know which methods to choose. You know why they work. You know when not to use them, which I believe is just as important as, if not more important, of knowing when to use them. It does require you to actually work to learn it. So because of that, the best coaches in our network, just the best people, they're the people that actually care and give a shit and want to, you know, do the right thing and take the time and effort to learn. So um, that's what you would find. We also do online training and that's not just for coaches, that's for anyone. We address everything. So if you come to us for training, everything is completely customized. We don't use templated stuff. Everything is written from scratch specific to you. Um, and we do take our time to learn, you know, your lifestyle, your stress. We have a really big focus on stress and stress management and stress physiology. So that's one of the main things that teaches is um, how stress, actually how it affects your bodies and all your different systems and how to measure it and how to make it better and how to, how to work with it as opposed to it working against you. So yeah, so online training and then education for coaches and health professionals and people who are interested in their health. And from personal experience, it was one of the best things and it's still something that I'd really love to do and you should definitely check out Muscle Nerds. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, I'm going to end on this one question though, Zoe. It's, oh. it's a really important one. Diet Pepsi or Diet Coke? Coke. Hands down, Coke. Oh, Luke's Pepsi, I'm Coke. I, I've got into such a habit. Like, I've been drinking it, like, the whole time that I've been here. But Coke, <laughs> hey, I can't be Pepsi. Hey, Pepsi. Because it's really good when you're dieting or if you're, in a, if you're going through a, you know, calorie deficit. I know um, that if I food. asked Luke, it would be Dr. Pepper. But, like, diet. You can't find diet Dr. Pepper anywhere in Australia. You can find Dr. Pepper in lots of places, but you cannot find diet Dr. Pepper. So he, he doesn't often have Dr. Pepper's here. It's, if he's doing maybe a carb load, he'll buy one. Um, but it's really hard to find the diet Dr. Pepper, so he doesn't really have it a lot. Uh, but he's pe diet Pepsi. We have to buy the, a case of diet um, Pepsi Max and a case of Coke Zero and Diet Cherry Pepsi Max is where it's at. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's great. There's a mango Pepsi out here at the moment. I don't know if you guys have it. I've already said that they should do a coconut one. They should do a coconut and cherry. That'd be a really good one. Do you remember Diet Pepsi Twist? No. No? All right. So that was like lemon and lime. 
in, in diet, with Diet Pepsi. That was great. Yes. Diet Pepsi. I remember Coke Zero. They were the first ones to kind of come out with the flavoured Coke, weren't they? Was it the, sorry, not Coke Zero, the um, Vanilla Coke. Wasn't that one of the first ones to come out, Vanilla uh, Coke? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when they started then experimenting with lots of different flavours. You can get lots of different flavours now. Yeah, the Pepsi Raspberry is very much like, here in the UK, we get like slushy. We get like blue raspberry yep. slushy. Uh, very similar, yeah, in, in yeah. flavour. But, um, Are you a Pepsi? You do Pepsi, not Coke? Yeah, I'm Pepsi. I'm Pepsi. I'm team T-Pepsi. I get so upset when I go somewhere and I ask for a Coke and then like, you yeah, no problem. And then they come and it's Pepsi. I was like, well, this is not Coke. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of water instead. <laughs> <laughs> I could always be, remember being really confused when they would be like, oh, is, is Pepsi, is that okay? And I'm like, yeah. No, <laughs> it's not okay. <laughs> Well, look, um, thank you so much for your time, Zoe. It's an so absolute welcome. pleasure to finally, over however many years um, that we've right. spoken to one another, that this is the first time we've actually, not face-to-face, but camera to Yeah, close enough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thank you very much, Zoe. You're welcome.